Good morning. Well, this morning we're going to look at Galatians and try to tackle this book from the Apostle Paul. I hope you've opened the scriptures there. And this is an interesting book. Paul, man, he is a devout follower, apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. A little different than other apostles. Christ came to him in a vision, in a powerful vision. Uh, people, his enemies wanted to refute him if he was a true apostle. And I'll assure you, Paul was the <laughs> truest of an apostle as you could be. Paul, one day, he stood in the face of Pete. You know who Pete is? Pete is Peter. Peter's kind of the face of Christianity at one time. And he stood in Pete's face one day, and he took him on. You're like, are you serious? Because what had happened in this area, to give you a little history, there was this group of people, they were like uh, messing up. They were like diluting uh, the Christian movement. And they were called Judaizers. And they were saying, if you're a true Christian, you need to go back to your Jewish roots and you need to become a Jew. And that counts uh, the ceremonial washings and it means uh, sacrifices and the whole work. So, oh, wait, 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 guys, it, it gets a little tougher. And I don't care if you're a 25, 30-year-old male, you haven't been circumcised, you need to be circumcised. Let me tell you how many would have left the church that day. Y'all didn't see any humor in that. I did. So Paul's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Christ died to set us free. Christ died to liberate us. So there he is, the Apostle Paul, and you got Peter, and they go head on. You know who won? Paul. He's like, man, you're trying to go back, and you're trying to pick back up the rules. Christ has come. He's come to set us free from the law. He's come to set us free from our ritualistic roots, as important as they were. And I thought it was kind of interesting as you study the book of Galatians. I've been, I've been you know, I've read it over and over through the years, but this week I've been just studying it more and more and thinking about all the things that he was going on. Where's Galatia? It's in the Asia Minor region of the country. It's modern-day Turkey. Uh, this particular area was like in a mountain region. It wasn't one of the large churches. It was kind of a small church, but it was a powerful church. Then they got diluted, and they started going back. Paul had been gone like some 14 years, so then he comes in, and he's like, oh, my goodness, what, what have they done? They've, like, returned I've got to straighten it out. That's what Paul did. He was straightening out the mess. He was, he was concerned. He's like, man, y'all are Christians. You know, be filled with the Spirit. What would God? Don't go, go back to Judaism. I mean, that, we, we don't need that. And if you look there in your Bibles, Galatians chapter 1, if I jump down to verse 6, this is what I'm trying to set you up with. He goes, I am astonished. I think he said it with great power. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And now you are turning to a different gospel. Wow. He would say, the gospel's perverted. And you're turning around from what Christ died for. Stop it. Straighten up. Grow up. Anybody ever told you to grow up before? Remember when you were little? Look. Want you to grow up when you're a little like I'm trying, <laughs> but when you're older and somebody says, "Grow up," in other words, they just rebuked you. They're trying to say you're acting like a baby. Babies are cute and babies are to be cuddled and babies, you know, and toddlers. But you know, when you get six or sixteen, you know what I'm saying? Isn't sixteen your favorite age? Teenagers, they love you. You know. And then when you get 18, how about when you get 25? How about when you get 35? How about when you get 55? And somebody still says, grow up, mature. That's what Paul's doing. He's trying to straighten out the church, and he's trying to get them to return to not a perversion, but to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, this is what he would say to us. 
The Jews and the Gentiles, they are one now. The Gentiles have been grafted in through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ought to say amen. And they are now one body. Stop trying to separate and go through all this stuff. It's like, man, I don't, I don't have time for that. He's like, I've got a better way. And then James, he's from the mother church there in Jerusalem, and, and you know, he's like trying to travel back down his traditional roots. And so Paul's like, man, that's okay. I'll just take y'all on. I love y'all. Because you've got to remember, remember Paul. Who was Paul? He was Saul. He was the guy that like ordered Christians persecuted and martyred, and he okayed, he approved it for Stephen to be martyred. So he's not like the fun guy in the family. Matter of fact, when he first comes on the scene, Barnabas brings him to the meetings. You know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. And Barnabas, it'd be like today, as wild as this sounds, if I brought Gaddafi in here next weekend, what would you do? I, I don't want to know what you would do. Okay. But I mean, I mean, he had this kind of reputation, man. He was a terrorist. He was like having people killed. And then he radically gets transformed and changed by the grace of God. And here's why I tell you that. You've never been too bad to be outside the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't care. <laughs> Somebody said hallelujah. You see, if you're all sanctified and you're religious and you grew up, and like Rachel, her and Hannah came to Christ at three and four. So they were like in serious sin pedaling their tricycle down the sidewalk. They turned from their rebellious ways and they followed the Savior. Really, I think they have... A lot better story than mine because I crucified Christ so many times in all my sin and Adamic nature but just for those little girls they needed Christ they needed a new start and so do you if you don't have a new start today but when we look at serious sinners we're like well there's no way they could get in like I watch it over the over the years I've watched people just stand here and go that won't translate on CD but what I did is I just held my mouth open and you are astonished because somebody came in the house. And some of you were so elated. And some of you were just ticked off because the grace of Jesus reached them. Man, how can we call ourselves Christ followers? But let me tell you this. In, in the Greek, and we're going to run off of this about being crucified and, and being in Christ and him alive in us. It's, in, in the Greek, it goes, in Christ crucified I am. In Christ crucified I have been. It is a perfect tense kind of word. It, it's uh, one day I gave up on the flesh man on self and I died and now I'm alive in Jesus. And that's what Paul's trying to get him to do. He's just trying to get him to come back and return to the things that will give him freedom. We'll end on that theme today, but I've got a, gr a lot of ground I want to cover. In 10 words or less, look right there at the top of your outline today. It says there in 10 words or less, Christians are free from restrictive Jewish laws. And for us, we could just say today, we are free from the law in Jesus Christ. In other words, now a lot of people are like, I like that freedom stuff. It doesn't mean a license to sin. It doesn't mean a license to live life like I want according to my flesh. It means live a life according, not that would gratify the desires of the flesh, but that would be fulfilled and gratify the spirit. So, Lord, you died that I don't have to be bound up. And he goes all through Antioch here in the missionary journeys, and he founds the churches, and, and, and he's, he's basically trying to tell the people, God's got a plan. And let me just get you to write down this word today. God's got a plan. The plan is this, reconciliation, Ephesians, Colossians. He talks all about being reconciled. 
It is God's cosmic deal. It is his plan for humankind that God would reconcile humanity, sinful man, woman, boy, or girl, until a holy God through the death of Christ. So God is all into this reconciliation. I'm still going to do a message on reconciliation. It's working. Last week I was going to try to get there. Ran out of time today. I just want to keep throwing that out. That the life, the world, we got out of whack. We ran into sin. We messed up. We messed up in the garden. But don't, we always want to blame it on Adam. I mean, Adam, Eve. And Adam wants to blame it on the woman. How many of us have been trying to blame it on the woman? Don't raise your hand. That's not smart. The bottom line is we just messed up in the garden. But guess what? Had it been you and I in the garden, we'd have done the same thing. We just have this sin nature, and he, and he messes up, and he chooses sin, and God's like, hey, I, I don't want you to walk that way. I, I want you to get free from that. And I want you to look right in the middle of your worship, God. There's key themes. Just look at them quickly. They're powerful. Faith and freedom centered in Jesus Christ. They revolve around the person of Jesus. Secondly, the centrality of the cross for salvation in the life of believers. It's the only way we come to God. We come through the cross. When you walked into the living room this morning, you came through a red wall. A lot of you never noticed it. There's a red wall. We painted it red when we built the building on purpose. It's a symbolic of the Passover. The blood being applied, like the red paint is supposed to be like the blood over the doors. Isn't that cool? You're like, we're a contemporary church. Like, you've got like liturgical things here? We do. And right there, not many. And right there in the middle, there's this stained instrument called the cross. And that's how we come today. So we're going to keep hammering the cross and look at the third point, the role of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is always talking and defending and telling believers. And the fourth thing is the Old Testament example of Abraham points forward to Christ and his people. In, in Moses, in the Mosaic Law, and Abraham, he's like, look, this is the way, this is the way God had, but now God has covenant. God has covenant with you, and that covenant is through his son, Jesus Christ, and he wants to make all things new. So reconciliation, I, I'm praying it today, you're seeing that you have to be on your guard. Now, let me say this. I started and I said the, go the gospel was distorted. It was being perverted. And Paul said it should not be. And that's what Galatians, if you read it in the context, you begin to see. And in our modern day world in 2011, we still have people, apostates and false teachers, that are trying to give erroneous teachings and even people that get on TV. You know, you don't have to preach the true gospel to be on TV. Did you know that? You just got to have money. Because, y'all didn't know that? Like you're saying, but I saw it as on Christian television. That don't mean anything. Like, sometimes I, I, I like to watch television and Christian television, and I flip through, and sometimes I go, Ugh! That is, man, that is like heresy. That is like, that is apostasy. That is like, that is like wrong. And every once in a while, here's what happens. Somebody that comes to the church, they go, hey, I almost said their name. Hey, pastor, did you see... It was wonderful. I'm like, really? Like, you reading the same Bible I'm reading? They're like, I felt so good. Now, how many want to feel good? Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll just preach damnation and judgment to Jesus. No, I, we all want to feel good. That, that's a part of the gospel. But we have to have the true gospel, and we don't pervert it. You see, sometimes, let me give you some things just to write. These, these are good about being on your guard. Write down the word weakening. It undermines the foundation of those that follow Jesus Christ. Some people will just try to weaken their stance and what they're teaching. Another one is deluding. You give half measures. Instead of claiming to absolute moral standards or holy scripture, you, you just get a little bit. You just kind of water it down. 
in, in, in the cults, they know this really well. They, and even people inside Christian circles, they will dilute the gospel. Look at the next one. Distorting. You misrepresent what the Bible says that it might be more palatable. And Timothy, I think he says, hey, you have itching ears that I have a true gospel. Here's the next one, distorting. You misrepresent what the Bible says. The next one is blending. You blend, uh, you blend this teaching with an outside source that you call authoritative. Now listen. That's what the Mormons do. They take an outside source and hold it up against this book and go, the two shall be one. What do we do, believers? What do we do? We rebuke that. We refute that. We don't go against that. It's like, man, that, that's, a, that's a distorted gospel. It's not a true gospel. It's, it's one that's, it, and then here's another word. I'll turn it down. Poisoning. You deliberately mix error with truth. You know, if you know the scripture well enough, you can, and, and you hear things, you're like, that sounds good. Let me just say this. When you hear me, when you hear a teacher, when you hear anybody, go search it out and see if it be true and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Amen? Because sometimes you just hear something, you're like, man, that, 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 that sounded, like, here, here it is. First uh, Key 3, 6, God helps those who help themselves. You, you read that verse? What, what was wrong with that? Anybody catch what I just did? First of all, I call it First Keith. Somebody said, oh, man, I've never seen that book. Where is that? Do you have your own gospel now? And you know who said God helps those who help themselves? Benjamin Franklin. You're like, oh, man, I thought this is my favorite scripture. I've got to learn a new one now. <laughs> you know, one day, I couldn't keep a straight face. I wondered if I came here and just gave you lots of moral teachings, but none of them were Jesus, if you would catch it. You're like, are you like going to trick us? Been thinking about it. No, 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 I, I don't want to do that. Okay, so here, here, Jude, if you read the book of Jude, Jude's about refuting false teachers. Let's look at point one. Get there with me. Got to go. The gospel and the defense of the gospel, chapter one, chapter two. Paul, right off the bat, he engages the church there at Galatia. He engages the people. He says, man, you've distorted. Look at it. Grace and peace to you from God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. To him be glory forever and ever. And, and then he moves on. But I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And now you are turning to a different gospel, which really is, say it with me, no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I think I've been building a pretty good case for this this morning, just to let you know. Just check it out. That's why it's so important that you have your own Bible. And not just a pretty Bible. One, one that you read. One that you mark up. One that you study. Can, can we just do this? I've got a friend here. Hey, my friend, Brooke, will you get up and... Is Brooke like running around the room? Brooke, will you make will you take a picture of this? I'm sorry, I know you think, but I, I just gotta have this because this just encourages me. I want you to hold your Bibles up right now. Hold your Bibles high all across the room. Hold them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. Wow. Wait a minute. That is okay. Hold on. Just hold them a minute. Okay. Now, with them being held up, all you. That's right. All you that use your phones, and I know that y'all aren't texting what's going on for lunch, y'all hold your phones up because you read God's Word. Ho hold them up. See, some of you were embarrassed, but that's okay. We come to a cool contemporary church. That is phenomenal. And I just want you to know, those people that have the phones that are lit up right now, they're not doing their grocery list. They're not texting one another. 
Okay, you can put them back down. Some of you are like, wow, I'm so relieved. I've been wondering what that sister's been doing. Okay. Now, it's a little scary what I just did. Now people are going to like, he thinks it's cool if you bring your phone, so let's just talk to one another. No. But wasn't a beautiful, was anybody encouraged by that other than me? I mean, all these Bibles were held up. Now, here's the deal. You held your Bibles up, and it told me, we got a lot of Christ followers in the room. Don't do this. Go home today. Next Sunday morning. Where's my Bible? Man, I ain't seen my Bible. You, Baron, Boone, what you do with my Bible? Man, I ain't seen my Bible. Tells me a couple things. You ain't read your Bible all week. Then you want to blame it on your dog. Then you want to blame it on your kid. You want to blame it on your wife. And there it is. Okay. That's just free because you came today. Okay. So we read the word. The gospel and the defense of the gospel. He, he was astonished. He goes, let's abound in liberty. Let's get rid of legalism. Let's don't hang out there. And, and he goes on. He says, hey, some of you want to win the approval, about verse 10, the approval of human beings or of God. Am I trying to please people? If I was trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus. You know, that's what I decided a long time ago. I want to please the master. The master's the Lord Jesus. And we need to strive in our hearts to be at peace with God through Christ Jesus. And we, we want to please him and we want to honor him. And, and then he says, even if an angel comes and he distorts and he gives a perverted gospel, don't believe him. Believe the one true God, the Lord Jesus. Believe his gospel. Paul is just so adamant about, I want to declare the message of grace. The grace will set you free from sin. The message of grace will liberate you from the bondages of this world. And then he goes on, but I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I didn't find it by man. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For if you heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, and we have, how intentionally I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people, and I was perverting the gospel day and night, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, and my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I didn't go up to Jerusalem, because that's where James was. I, I just, it's not in there. I'm trying to tell you history. I wanted to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus, and then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. You know who Cephas is? Peter. And I already told you about him. And I stayed with him 15 days, and they fought for 15 days. And I saw none of the other apostles, only James and the Lord's brothers. And I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. And then I went to Syria and Sicilia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ then only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And because of that, they now praise God because of me, says the Apostle Paul. He lifted up Jesus Christ. He wasn't lifting up himself. He wasn't lifting up his Judaism, his roots. But he was lifting up in a zealous manner the Lord Jesus Christ that had saved him on the Damascus Road. And he says, guys, I'm free, and because I'm free, I don't want to go back. I don't want to return to those old roots. I don't want to return to persecution. I don't want to return to the roots you've got. Man, Christ died that man could be free. I'm going to say that over and over today. Somebody's going to believe it today. Maybe a lot of new people are going to believe it or get a new revelation. So he goes, what you've received from the risen Christ, that's what I share. And then he goes down in Galatians chapter 2. 
verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Does anybody have a little better understanding of what I've been trying to do with you this morning? You see the conflict, the agony, the, the stirring of the Apostle Paul? How many of you would have liked to have been face-to-face with the Apostle Paul when he got upset? Not me. Man, he would have blown you out. He had been like drinking water from a fire hydrant. Has anybody ever tried that? It is a, a fascinating deal. You never tried that, have you? I tried it one time. I was in Chicago. I was on a mission trip. And they opened. Yeah, it was. I only did it once. And, uh, and I, walked, I was just like, man, the force. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And I walked over. I went, watch this. <gasps> man, <laughs> laying on the ground like, I ain't going to try that again, you know. That was dumb. And sometimes I know you feel like on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Nobody ever said I have the sharpest knife in the drawer. But here's the deal. Some, don't laugh, it's not funny. But some of you, you feel like that's what you get from me. You're like, you're a machine gun, man. You just give us so much. Well, man, I'm just thinking if I had the Apostle Paul just to sit down with him, but I do through his letters. And man, he just hammers, and he hammers the truth of Jesus, and he loves Jesus, and he sold out. And then he goes down to my favorite passage in Galatians. Galatians, look at it, chapter 2, verse 20. The Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But I'm crucified with Christ. He, he nails his whole faith, his whole theology on, I'm dead. When I accepted Jesus, I died And at that point, Christ forgave me past, present, and future sin. But now, now, I'm alive in the Master. I'm alive in Jesus. And that's why Philippians 1.21 is my life verse. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And Paul's writing all these things like, man, Christ is my hope. Christ is my life message. I live for him. I'm going to go for him. I know what it is to follow him. So Paul here, he, he, he's, uh, he's trying to declare how great Christ is. And it's like, in Christ crucified, I am. Paul would say it's a positional truth that he wants you and I to get this morning. The past action of the cross in Christ is an ongoing futuristic action for all time in our life we we give up uh, let, let me put it this way somebody help me there's these dolls we we have them at home and i should have brought them. i don't have them as an illustration so just chill don't worry there are uh, tell me the little dolls that you know they stack one another what do you call those nesting dolls right good i was gonna call them nesting but i wasn't sure and elizabeth uh you get a cookie or something okay all right so nesting dolls it's kind of cool. I remember we had a teenager who went to Russia one time, and he brought down and I back some for the girls, or maybe brought them to the girls. I don't know, but he brought them. And, uh, and I remember taking those things off. You know, it's the bigger one and the smaller one and the smaller, and you get down to a little bitty one. And so many people, that's what they think it is to have Christ. It's like we have all this exterior trappings of our flesh, and somewhere down in the bottom of that is a little Jesus. A little Jesus. But let me tell you what Paul would do. Paul would invert the pyramid, the thing I just did. And Christ would be like huge, hanging out your stomach and your mouth. And your body would be like really little. And and as you you drill down, you would find more of Christ and less of you. Isn't that the glorious hope of living for Christ, the crucified life? That's right. You're saying, 
You get all that out of a nesting doll. I did. You're saying, you have a weird mind. I know, but it works. <laughs> I think. What was I talking about? No, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. But here it is. Christ, the hope of glory, Paul would say in Colossians. He dwells in you. I'm crucified. But now Christ lives. Christ is great. Some of you are going to go home this afternoon and play with your dolls. And you're going to go, I don't understand that illustration. And some of you are going to go out and buy some. And some of you are like, I still don't get it. Here's what I'm saying. John 3.30. He must increase. I must decrease. I must become less. He must become more. That's what Paul's saying. And then I want you to just look down there. Oh, wow. Legalism and labelism. Legalism. I, I could lecture for this for hours, and I'm not. But the bottom line is the church is tied up in legalism. And legalism is simply trying to approve yourself, trying to attempt to win God's favor by a determined set of rules and efforts of the flesh that if you set enough rules and piety into your life, maybe somehow you will win the approval of Abba. It's not true. In legalism, the Jews had like 613 rules, and, and you had to follow these rules to be a good Jew, and some of us want to live like that. We just want more rules. Here, here's the rules that have been over the ages. Real Christians don't dance. I've never read that in the Bible. Real, real, real Christians don't wear makeup. Real Christians don't wear dresses. Real Christians don't do that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We, we can make up any number. Here's one. I, I've heard this. Real Christians? They don't, they don't have these. Not real. I'm probably, I don't even know how to hold it, but I look good with it, don't I? I mean, you know, certainly in the church of Jesus, real Christians wouldn't have these, would they? And then, if that's not enough, I mean, I think that's pretty cool. But, oh, my. Oh, oh, glory. Hey, the, the, the anointing's here. I was wondering why y'all got so excited. I said, that illustration, I thought, that illustration's not that good. But I thought, I'm going to use it again if it was that good. Okay. I know real Christians don't have those in church. They do. And we like it. Amen? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's legalism. I mean, some people like, man, they camp out. They say, come to Christ's legalism church and enjoy one another. If you follow the rules. Come get liberated by Jesus. And then there's labelism. It's like the pride of ownership. Like, well, my badge of ownership, I belong to the right church. Let me give you one. And I came out of a denomination and I love denomination. I had denominational credentials. And, and I'm not bashing denominations. Don't hear me say that. I, I pray for I, I don't know how many different denominations. Every Sunday, pastors by name, they're my great friends. But I have heard this over the years. If you have the right badge of labelism, you belong to the right denomination, then somehow you have favor with God. That's not true. Denomination is just they settled on this set of views and convictions and values, and that's why we have so many different labels. We call us an interdenominational church. You know what that means? That means we have people from Southern Baptist, Assembly of God, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholic, Costco, Walmart. We have them all right here. My favorite is the church of Costco. I love people that don't have a clue about what we're doing. My, my mantra is one 
One visit could change the way you think about church. Somebody goes, yeah, if you drop that guitar, I could change a lot of stuff about you. Yeah, okay. Is anybody, is anybody getting into this? Okay. Because, man, I sure am sweating like, man, I hope they're getting it. Like, you know, pride, smugness, self-righteousness, all that. That's a badge of honor or whatever. We don't want labelism. The basis of Christianity, write this down, the basis of Christianity is God's grace and Christ's death for your sin. It's his grace and his, his death on the cross. And then we get into this whole, let, let, let's get into Galatians 3 and 4 right in the middle of the page. I got to tell you, I've studied this so hard, I was concerned if I could fill up the, the, the time I was allotted. And now I'm going, what were you thinking? I woke up at 2.30 this morning and a thought occurred to me, you've overstudied this weekend. That's okay. I'd rather have a lot more. Look at, look at, I want to get ready to fill this in. The law and salvation, the purpose of the law. Here it is. Get ready to write with me. The law is not greater than the promise. Galatians 3, 19 and 20. You know, some of us get into that and uh, you feel inferior, but there's a covenant of promise and that promise is with God. Look at point B. The law was temporary. It was a meeting of a certain amount of conditions until Jesus Christ came. But now Christ came to fulfill the law. He's, he's more. He, he's permanent. Let's move to the next one. The law required a mediator. God gave the law to Israel. He gave the law to the folks of the Old Testament. He gave the law to the Jews. And you're going to see the purpose for the law. I don't want to just like bash the law. I want you to say it's a mediator, though. And then once God says, but now I'm going to put a mediator between you and me. It's my son Jesus. And that's the promise of covenant. Look at D. The law was not given to provide life. If the law could give life, Jesus Christ didn't need to come. We would have just had salvation and grace, and there would have been no need for Christ. But we needed salvation. We needed deliverance. So Christ came because there was a, uh, he wanted us to experience and exchange death for life in him. E, the law was given to reveal sin. At this point, it's really important. Law and grace cooperate. They work together. They, they show you how, how sinful you are. The, the law shows you your need for a Savior. The law shows you your guilt. The law shows you how lost you are without Jesus. Um, it'd be like this. Uh, you ever go to the doctor and get a prescription? Okay, it's not a trick question. You ever go to the, Howard, I know you have. You ever go to the doctor and get a prescription? And after you got that prescription, you got it and you went, okay, I just spent all this money, dumb prescription, and you throw it in the trash can. Okay, some of you do. Okay. That's probably why you've been sick forever. Okay. You take that to a pharmacist and you get it fulfilled because there, there's a prescribed medicine that they want to get you well. Well, the doctor's prescription, when you act on it, when you trust in it, then healing comes. There it should come, right? The law. The law is like a prescription. God shows us our need to be whole. Isn't that a great way to look at the law? Some of you like doctors, some of you don't. You had not been sick lately. Okay, so you exchange grace or the law for grace. Now, I want to live on the grace side of the equation, and that's what it means to be a New Testament believer in Jesus, and, and you discover that grace is sufficient in Jesus Christ. In, uh, I think it's Ephesians, he says the supremacy of grace, the supremacy of Jesus. He's above all things, and we clothe ourselves with Christ. And he just begins to rattle all down about getting away from legalism. But I want you to see this. So it reveals, it reveals sin, F, the law was given to prepare the way for Christ. The law simply gets us on track. The law points to the Lord. It points to Jesus. And they're slave, we are slaves to three things. And I want you to write this down. This is critical. Number one, we're all slaves to sin. 
our sin nature that we're born with and we fight all the days of our life we're slaves to sin but we don't have to be mastered by it number two we're slaves to satan the prince of this world the prince of darkness so we're the slaves to sin we're the slaves to satan and here's the others we are a slave to culture wow is that like reading the paper in 2011 we all battle with culture and sometimes culture trumps us if we don't know god and we don't have his scripture transforming us but in galatians chapter 4 verse 4 through 6 i want you to see this but when the set time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption sonship because you are his sons god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit now who calls out abba father is that good news church god grafts us in god adopts us into his family you know who's into adoption god is you know who else is into adoption we are i love it in, in recent the last decade there's been an explosion of people adopting people in our own faith family we've had many to adopt kids from america and all over the world and we'll continue to have that god gets glorified in that move down to point three quickly galatians five and six we're set free for two things we're set free for life in the spirit life in the spirit not in the law life in the spirit and we're set free for true community god or christ died that you and i could be free and not live the old rebellious life but to be free to soar in him and then he also died that we could have true community and galatians 5 7 it says this i've always been in, uh, amazed by this verse you were running a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth may it never be said of you or me you were running with jesus you were making progress in the faith. Your soul was prospering. But now somebody cut in on you and you're not running the race effectively anymore. The good news of grace is this morning you can return to the race and run with Christ. Chapter 5, moving down to verse 16. So I say walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So he says what? Walk by the Spirit. In other words, he goes, get in step. March with the Spirit of God. And as you walk in the Spirit, you're free. And if you don't walk in the Spirit, he goes on to say, then by the contrary, by the contrast here, your, your flesh desires, this, this, it's the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict one with the other. The flesh and the Spirit, they always are at war. So he says, hey, sow. And in Galatians, he talks about sowing and reaping. This is where the principle of the kingdom comes from, sowing and reaping. You reap that which you so you sow bad habits you reap bad habits you sow good habits you reap good results you sow in the spirit what do you do you reap the eternal benefits of god god help us to be a church that that sows with you so we sow to the flesh we sow to the spirit my prayer is that we begin to sow into christ and be purposeful that we make choices and the choices we are we put those in the ground and they're seeds of faith and those things grow and they blossom they're like the seeds of a mustard seed and they honor god but look down at the final thing i want you to see this galatians 6 14. may i never boast except in the cross of the lord jesus christ through which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world that's what i really want to close with today would you boast would you boast loudly not in your church not in your accomplishments, not in your degrees, not in your standards, not in your abilities. Would you boast in the cross 
of Jesus. And this morning, the worship team's coming right now. And we're going to close with a rocking song. We used to sing it a lot. It's called I Am Free. Christ died that you could be liberated. Nathan, I saw you in the back of the room, didn't I, buddy? Is he still back there? Man, could you just like be available at the cross over there? Because it could be that somebody just needs to go talk with him, pray with him, or maybe you just need to grab the person next to you and go, hey, would you pray with me? Man, he made sense today. I'm in bondage. Christ died so that I could be free. I pray that when we sing this song, you don't go, man, that was really a great song. Hope you go, that's the truth for me. That's my identity. I'm free in Jesus. If you're not free, you could get free this morning. If you call upon Christ, he's here. Let me invite you to stand to your feet. Would you all do that? And this is just, uh, it's going to rock in it, brother. Yeah. And I hope that you'll, uh... I'll tell you what, get ready to sing. I'm going to sing with them. No, not really. No.